2000, you're cleared on route. 104, 172 at 2500. It's time for Chris Cruz. Hey guys, welcome back. And you know what? Season 2 is running. And we're going to continue talking about Stranger Things. You can be like, but why, Chris? We already harpooned this with Holly. But the reason I want to talk about Stranger Things on this episode, again, is because I want to see where they got their inspiration from because right now you know most of our tv shows are coming out they're kind of pushing some kind of propaganda and from what i learned about stranger things is that they're not pushing any propaganda it's just something where you could just watch and forget about the world and kind of start thinking about the what what our grandparents used to say the good old days so mark thank you for joining us and where does the show get their inspiration from well, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of references to 80s filmmakers in particular. Um, there's a lot of Spielberg stuff, um, and there's a lot of John Carpenter stuff. I mean, the sort of neon theme song is like very much very similar to uh, the John Carpenter synthesizer music that was in all of his um, horror films in the 80s. Um, and very much, you know, the, the idea of, you know, Spielberg and E.T. is an obvious, you know, sort of... This, thematic similarity if mm -hmm. you've seen the show um so you know there's very much some sort of you know deliberate um uh filming references and there's been a lot of talk about that and in fact it's kind of hard to miss because like in the show uh in the basement where all the boys play there's like a, a, a poster for john carpenter's the thing on the wall in the back yeah, there is and I mean, they're not yeah they're, they're not exactly being subtle about where they're getting their inspiration from some of this stuff. But one thing I thought that was kind of neglected and people really haven't talked about as much is that um, a lot of the inspiration comes from sort of like 80s genre fiction, specifically, you know, 80s horror. Uh, Stephen King is an obvious reference. I mean, if you notice that the logo of the show is the exact same font that was used on, you know, literally millions of Stephen King paper paperbacks. Yep in the eighties and, and, and as well, a whole other, you know, um, a whole other bunch of uh, horror fiction, uh, you know, paperbacks in the eighties as well. And so, um, that is very much an obvious inspiration. Yeah. It is funny here because you talk about, you know, the mismatch of youthful wonder and adult horror, which is kind of, yeah. it's really interesting to see it because at the end of the day, this is just a four kids, well, actually, now three with a little girl having an adventure that they did not seem to want to have um you also talk about that the body uh that's the title um uh, was right. a literally source material for the movie stand by me um yeah so what do you mean by that well i mean the if you've seen the movie stand by me which you know tracks stephen king's novella of the same name you know again that was about four boys uh you know who are basically in a small town who are you know banding together against bullies um and they're you know dealing with sort of they're coming to of age you know dealing with adult violence i mean if you've seen stand by me and obviously the whole thing centers around this quest to go find this dead body that's out in the woods allegedly um and you know obviously Again, that's another sort of direct inspiration for Stranger Things. You have the bonding of the four boys and you have them, you know, you know, dealing with bullies in a small town and like a lot of other similar themes. In fact, Stephen King tweeted out that, that watching Stranger Things was like watching uh, the greatest hits of Stephen King, you know, referring to himself. And, and he, he said that's a compliment. And, and I, I think that's, you know, very true. I mean, that was very much what Stephen King was also doing and why he was so beloved is that he had this combination of adult horror 
and you know childlike wonder you know um and, and you know in, in small towns and, and and that was very much a sort of americana thing and and strange things is effectively tapped into that oh for sure and here's one of the one of the paragraphs that kind of like made me i have to talk to you because i'm 26 years old i was born in 89 so i wasn't mm-hmm. i wasn't you know around the 80s like the hardcore 80s but you put yeah. here, which is really interesting, because you put, uh, and I quote, for me, Stranger Things was reminiscent of a f- personal few favorites. Um, and then you talk about PlayStation Free era when the teenage boredom necess- uh, was more like grabbing a book other than, you know, going into like the TV and watching Netflix that we are right now. What do you mean by that? Right. Well, I mean, people... F- <laughs> Fiction used to be a much more sort of deliberately escapist, I think, in a lot of ways. I mean, it's not to say that it isn't now, but, you know, back in an era before PlayStations and Netflix and the Internet and all of this, um, sometimes when you were bored, I mean, you know, you, you maybe you had maybe seen almost every film at your local video store if you lived in a small town. You know, I mean, and that was certainly the case for me. Um, and so if you were looking for something, you know, just to pass the time, you weren't necessarily looking for something to read that was like going to be objectively edifying. You were looking for something that was like really exciting and, you know, pure, purely, you know, fantastical. And if you if you look at, uh, you know, the, the 80s horror fiction and 80s science fiction fiction and just genre fiction in general from that era, you see that you see like this very deliberate attempt to like reach out and grab readers and be as entertaining as possible. And, and I think that's kind of been lost. Um, in the piece I mentioned, there's a great blog called Too Much Horror Fiction, mm-hmm. um, where they actually, they actually, this, this blog collects just like photos of old paperbacks. And it's just, you know, a lot of them are from the eighties, not all of them. Sometimes they go back further than that. But I mean, it's just a trip to see these old things where you can see that they're like, you know, these, these <laughs> paperbacks are like, you know, carnival barkers just trying to like get you to like read them, you know, by being as exciting and or lurid and or, you know, um, trashy as possible sometimes. And there's something in a weird sort of way to be said for that, um, you know, where, you know, people are writing very deliberately to be as entertaining as possible rather than to try and make some sort of, you know, statement. Um, you know, I, I kind of part of me kind of, you know, misses that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's important to read edifying things. But uh, at the same time, uh, it, it, you know, things that are very lurid nowadays are are you know, much more direct, um, yeah. you know, pornography and the internet, other things like that. Whereas when that sort of stuff is couched in the context of a book thematically, um, I think it's easier to take and it's easier to grow up with, I should say, rather than, you know, constantly surrounded by things like internet porn. No, and I totally agree because if, you know, one of the things that I do, you know, I go to a film school down here in Florida and, you know, talking to all these, you know, future filmmakers, you know, they they're, they want to create, most of them, they say they want to bring back that old TV watching, you know, where the family can gather together. Now, let's talk about the first book that you talk about, Summer of Night. Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned three books that that you know I've read a lot of you know sort of you know eighties sort of genre fiction over the years that I that sort of immediately leaped to, to my mind and I don't know that these books necessarily inspired Stranger Things but I do think that they're very reminiscent of the time period and I thought of them when I was watching the show. Uh, the first one is called Summer of Night by a guy named Dan Simmons who's very well known as as, as a sci-fi writer and a horror writer but but primarily he wrote the Hyperion books which were big bestsellers and already sort of sci-fi classics but the summer of night is a, is a horror novel about a bunch of boys in a small illinois town who ride around in their bikes and there's like this supernatural happening 
in in their town. And it, it, again, it's just you know very reminiscent of Stranger Things. I think it takes place in the '60s, um, uh, but it was that book was written in I think 1990. I sort of technically included it, even though it wasn't in the '80s. Yeah, 91. exactly. Yeah, 91. 91. Um, but you know, think about it when that book was written. Sort of the, at, at that time period, the '60s. You know, were to that book what sort of the '80s are to like this mm-hmm. period in terms of nostalgia, right? Um, and so again, it's just a very similar book. Um, and then I wrote about a um, another book um, which is really kind of obscure, but it's become kind of a uh, sort of small fan favorite on the internet. It's a book called Night Blood by a guy named T. Chris Martindale, which is uh, again takes place in a small Indiana town, Isherwood, Indiana, which might as well be Hawkins, Indiana, if you read the book. Um, so it's got that similarity right off the bat but the story is about uh this guy who's a vietnam vet who drifts around from town to town fighting supernatural forces um with the help of his brother who's a ghost uh, who didn't make it back from vietnam and he uses heavy weaponry to fight vampires and other spiritual of supernatural happenings um and of course while he runs this indiana town there's a big subplot involving this 11 year old boy Again, same age as the guys in Stranger Things and his brother, who are fighting bullies in their in their Indiana neighborhood. So it's very similar to um, Stranger Things in a lot of ways. And the book is it's very 80s in the sense that like it's often described as a um, Rambo meets Salem's Lot, but it's it's a lot of fun um, to read. And then the third book was a, um, a book called um, Necroscope by a guy named Brian Lumley, which is something of a horror classic if you're really into the genre of fiction. But again, it was written in the 80s, and in some ways it, it doesn't have a lot to do with Stranger Things. For one thing, it's, it's Brian Lumley's an English author and it takes place in England and Europe, so it, it doesn't have the whole Americana vibe at all. But it is about a teenage psychic that is recruited as part of a Cold War program to fight the Russians, you know, using psychics, which again, it's a very obviously it's a big Stranger Things theme. And uh, um, also, when we talk about the upside down in Stranger Things, this book um, really go delves deep into this sort of like um, supernatural other dimensions realm, which was, you know, if that seems sort of novel to you, reading a lot of genre fiction in the 80s, that, that interdimensional weirdness was a big you know, thing that, that, that people, um, that was, there was a big trope in a lot of horror novels at the time. Yeah. It, it's really interesting because, you know, and, uh, I want to ask your opinion. And again, this is your opinion. Do you think this TV show was made for this time? Because we know one thing that I talked about ho- with Holly was, you know, it's really interesting that we see this kind of like Americana, um, uh, 80s look of how the good old days were until now so do you think this was on purpose yeah i mean i think so i mean obviously things are falling apart in this country socially and politically and other things like that right now and and this and 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 when you look at it that way you know it's very hard to make contemporary horror of the same sort because you know in order for you to be afraid um, you, you often have to be afraid of like losing something. Right. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, there, there are no family structures and, you know, uh, all of our politicians are corrupt and we're, we're, we don't trust any of our institutions and, you know, including the local police, like in the black lives matter movement has made a big deal out of like, if you don't trust any institutions and there's no families that you can latch onto and all these other things, it's very hard to effectively do horror because, well, you're kind of living in a horrible, you know, oh, totally. situation as it is, totally. yep. you know, so hearkening back to a time when, you know, people could feel like they could lose their innocence. People could feel like they had something at stake if that was ever threatened by outside forces, be it the 
the Russians or, you know, secret government programs or be it, you know, supernatural creatures from another dimension. Um, you know, that that's what the show is really trying to get back to. And I think that's why it struck in a, why it struck a chord because people, you know, sort of instinctively, you know, um, feel warm feelings for a period like that and, and want to fight for something that that's at stake. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and you just, you know, it, it's very hard anymore to, um, create, you know, movies and new heroes and all these other things where, um, uh, you know, we can all root for what's going on, which it's like all the comic book movies in the world. I mean, all of, all of the Captain America stuff and, and the movies and stuff is, it's, you know, Captain America isn't fighting for America. He's fighting against his own government. You know, yeah. it's, it's like yeah. a very bizarre situation to be in. Whereas if you just go back to the 80s, everything was clear in a lot of ways about good versus evil. No, no, and I completely agree. And, and that's one of the topics I always have with my with my filmmaker friends. You know, when, when we go to the movies and, you know, especially when, when superheroes were created, it was because we wanted to escape reality because we wanted to forget about what was happening, the depression, you know, economic failure. And I see this, you know, the, uh, the, the creators of this TV show, just made an amazing piece. And I want to end with this because I wanted you to elaborate a little bit more because when I read your, actually, I think it's your last sentence. Yes, it is your last sentence of, of your article. It just reminded me of old America. And I quote, it says, yeah. if Stranger Things helps us return to a time when books about friendship, good versus evil, and pure imagination had a permanent home on the bestseller list, that can only be a good thing for readers. We live in the age of the anti-hero. I mean, this has been something that's like particularly dominated television, you know, everything from Breaking Bad to The Sopranos. Um, you know, it seems like the only way we can like effectively sort of mine any sort of meaning out of things is to um, make us relate to people doing bad things. Um, and I, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think The Sopranos and Breaking Bad are fantastic shows, but it's kind of depressing when you step back and think <laughs> about it, you know. Um, you know, I think most of us want to have meaning in our lives. We don't want things to be spiritual empty and we want to be fighting for things and we want to be, you know, seeing things and, and reading things that are um, spiritually enriching and make us want to go out there and make the world a better place. Um, and, you know, even horror, you know, can effectively do that as I think stranger things proves. Um, so, uh, I just, you know, I, I, that's why I, I like the show so much, and I, I'd like to get back to that, you know, era where, like I said, could believe in good versus evil, and we had things that we cared about, be it our friends and family or whatever, to, to fight for. No, I, I completely agree, and you know, I, I'm only 26 years old, so this is kind of more the America that I know after 9/11. That's the only America I remember. Um, Mark Holloway, he's a senior writer at the Weekly Standard. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at. Heminator, like the Terminator, but with a H-E-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. That's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening. And make sure to follow me on Twitter at RC underscore K-R-I-S. And for more interviews next time, make sure to visit ChrisCruzBlog.com. That is ChrisCruzBlog.com. Till next time.